you mean to me now that you have saved me, Lord. Give all that I am to you that every day I can be a light that shines your name. Every day, Lord, I'll learn to stand upon your word and I pray that I, that I might come to know you more, that you would guide me in every single step I take that every day I can be light into the world every day it's you I live for every day I follow after you every day You've got a lion inside 
on my soul oh don't you get shy on me lift up your song cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs get up and praise the lord so Be 
And thank you all for singing with us tonight. So wonderful to be here. Hey, before you, before you guys leave, let's pray. Let's pray before you take off, okay? Ooh, that's loud. Father in heaven, in the quiet of this room, I just pray, Lord, as we lifted up our voices and sang about the one true living God, our Lord and our Savior. Just pray, Lord, that those, those words would not um, just drift away, but they would land on our hearts because worship isn't just music. It's a lifestyle, Lord. And I pray that when we come in here on a Wednesday night, it just affirms to our hearts that we strive after you during the week, that this is confirmation that we're doing the right thing as we walk through this world. And as hard as it might be, and as uphill and trudging through the snow like we see out there tonight, you never promised it'd be easy, but you always promised to be with us. That's why as that song finishes, we will commit all of our tomorrows to you. But I pray tonight, Lord, as Tanner speaks and I share with what you've laid on my heart, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what it is you want us to hear from you tonight, what it is you want us to learn so that we can walk out of this place, Lord, closer to you, stronger, encouraged, convicted, whatever that is that you have for us. Speak to each heart tonight as each one needs spoken to. And when you do, Lord, and when your Holy Spirit touches us, I just pray that by your grace, we're just obedient to whatever it is you say to us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Bye, junior hires. Love you guys. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks, Casey, for leading us in worship tonight. You guys did a great job. I like those songs. Hey guys, how's everybody doing tonight? Merry Christmas, it's snowing again. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> okay, so welcome to Inside Out. Glad you guys made it tonight. Listen, I'm grateful for you guys coming out tonight on an early release day because I know you guys got a lot of homework and a lot of responsibilities. So I pray tonight, Lord, that whatever, I, whatever, whatever God's laid on my heart, I pray that it's helpful for you guys and it is a benefit because it's always a benefit to open up God's word. So what I want to do tonight, this is the final week of our family feud series that we're going through with Jacob and Esau. Last week, we looked at the battle which began the battle over the birthright. Tonight, we're going to talk about the battle of the blessing, which is found in Genesis 27. I did not put that in your bulletins tonight but it is on there, the scripture that we're using. So Genesis 27, uh, verses one through 40, I would encourage you guys later on tonight to read that when you get home, because I'm gonna go over it tonight. I'm just gonna tell the story, and then we're gonna dive in a little bit and get into some other things that God's laid on my heart. But the first question is, I want you guys to turn to your small group tables and answer that first question, okay? And that first question is, so I can word it right, in your opinion, what causes most families to quarrel? In your opinion, what causes most families, maybe not your family, but families that you know, friends that you know at school, what causes most families to quarrel? Talk about that, and we'll come up here back here in a minute. Okay, you guys, if I can have your attention back to the front of the room, I know that was short, but I wanted to give you guys a chance to say hi to each other and visit. Tonight, what I want to talk about, when I look at this idea of family feud in Genesis 27, I want to just give you guys a bit of my testimony now as a kid growing up, and then I'll tell you in just a little bit more about it. This scripture, I have always struggled with in the Bible with Jacob and Esau. One of the reasons why this is so tender to my own heart, though, is because we're going to talk a lot about deception tonight and deceiving, okay? And I want you guys to know how I grew up in my home as a kid. Um, my dad was very violent drank, drugs, physically beating us, mentally abusing us, you name it, we went through it as kids, okay? My mom, God bless her soul, um, taught us boys, my brother and I, how to deceive to get along in the home. So we, we learned from our mom what it looked like to live a life of deception. And we did it intentionally because we had to because my dad was such a wreck. I remember one time, some of you may have heard me talk about this before, we lived in a 14 by 60 trailer in Billings, Montana when I was a teenager. Ninth grade till I was a senior in high school, we lived in this place. So I was older like you guys are, right? And we come home one day, my mom and my brother and I, we came home one day, and this is not an exaggeration at all whatsoever. Everything my dad could pick up and carry 
was piled in the middle of our living room when we got home because he was just mad. For whatever reason, he got angry, okay? So everything he could get a hold of, mattresses, dishes, television, you name it, and it was in a big heap right in the middle of my living room floor when my mom and my brother and I walked in. So we learned from my mom how to deceive to keep, my, to keep peace in the home. Does that make sense? Unfortunately, as I live my life, I got very good at deception and deceiving and lying and doing things as an adult because I carried those habits and I'm not upset with my mom at all. I fully understand why we did what we did in my home, but I took those habits that I learned and I moved, picked up those habits and I moved them into my adult life. You hear what I just said? The habits you create as young men and women in your home now at your houses, look at me, you're going to carry those habits into your life as an adult. I promise you will, because we're habitual beings and you're going to, so I want you guys to think about what we're gonna talk about tonight, developing yourself as young men and women in Christ and making sure <clears throat> that you're creating habits that you wanna carry in to adulthood because look at me, I am living proof and so what we're gonna talk about tonight, that how you behave now and how you train yourself now is how you will carry yourself later, okay? Doesn't mean we can't change and start to get things right, but that's what the deal is. Okay, so I'm gonna tell this story real briefly, and then I'm gonna turn you guys over to your small groups here in just a few minutes, hopefully, okay? Remember what Isaac was doing when he was 40 years old after last week's story? At the age of 40 years old, what was Isaac doing? He was getting married, right? And he was praying for his wife that she was barren and she couldn't have a child, so he prayed for her. Isaac was praying. Great example for your kid, right? Yes? Guess what Esau, what his, his favorite son was doing when he was 40 years old? When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Beri, a Hittite, and another lady. In other words, Esau went off and married women out of a foreign tribe. That is not something that mom and dad would have had him do. In other words, he married two women that were unequally yoked to his so-called religious faith as he was growing up as a kid watch you ready do not be unequally yoked that means this and this is not my words this is the apostle paul do not be unequally yoked means don't date someone who's not a believer don't date someone who doesn't have a good faith fellas don't date a girl who says she loves christ but acts like she hangs out with the devil picking up what I'm laying down, that's what Esau was doing. And it goes on to say, Isaac was getting old at this point in his life, okay? He thought he was gonna die. So what he did with Esau, he told Esau, his favorite son, go out into the field, my son. Remember Esau? Hairy guy, red hair, loved to hunt, loved to fish. He was an outdoor guy, right? He was the mountain man of the bunch. So he tells his son, son, I'm about ready to die. Go out and get some game, kill something, cook it, bring it back so I can eat it and give you my blessing. Remember what Esau did last week with his birthright? He sold it to Jacob, didn't he? For a bowl of stew, remember? He despised his birthright, which meant this. Simply put, he had low value of a spiritual gift in the tradition of the Israel tribe that the Israelites would hang on to. So he despised his birthright. Anyway, so he goes off. Esau gets the, gets the appointment from dad who thinks he's gonna die. Isaac says, go get some food, come back. Let me give you my blessing. Problem is... Mom heard about this. Rebecca caught wind of this, right? And Rebecca goes, oh, wait a minute. She overheard Isaac and Esau talking, and she's thinking to herself, wait a minute. Remember what he, God told her about the two twins? How the, the older will serve the younger last week? We talked about that. So rather than trusting God here, what Rebecca does is she goes, oh, I got to devise a plan. I got to come up with a scheme to make sure that e Isaac doesn't give Esau the blessing because I want my favorite son, Jacob, to get the blessing. See the mess that this family is? This is completely upside down as to what's going on, right? Esau's out hunting. Isaac's waiting for Esau to show up. Rebecca goes and finds Jacob and says, hey, Jacob, here's the deal. What I want you to do, your father's about ready to give the blessing the family blessing, the birthright blessing that should have went to the first son, but could also, the father can choose to give it to a different one if he wanted to. But what Rebecca did was try to take control and get out in front of God and take control of the situation rather than just trusting God. You hear me? God told her what would happen, but see, she didn't trust God to watch God's promises unfold the way God sees them unfold. So Rebecca gets in the middle of it, go get Jacob, and she tells Jacob, go get a goat, we're gonna kill a goat, we're gonna make a I'll make a dinner, and then you're gonna carry it into your father, so your father, under deceitful guise, under the scheme, your father will think, you're Esau, he'll lay his hands on you and bless you instead. Jacob goes, wait a minute, mom. 
That's not going to work. What if he, uh, my brother, remember what they said about Esau when he was born? What was he? Harry. He was horribly hairy. And Jacob was smooth-skinned. So Jacob's like, wait a minute. My father will touch my skin and I will be under a curse because he'll figure out I'm not Esau. Jacob wasn't worried about doing the wrong thing. He was just worried about getting caught. He didn't care about doing the wrong thing, deceiving his father. He just wanted to get caught. Mom says, I got it, I got it, I got it. I'll go get some Esau's clothes. The goat that we'll kill to cook the dinner, we'll, we'll put the goat skin on. I'm thinking to myself, how bright is Isaac at this, right? So they'll take all this goat hair and the goat skin and she'll strap it to Jacob's arms and his hands and the back of his neck. And then he carries in the food to Isaac and says, my father, I'm here. And Isaac goes, well, who are you? And, he, and Jacob now, under the scheme that Rebecca put together that Jacob's agreeing with, Jacob goes, is his eye your son Esau? See the lying? See the deceit? All because they were getting out in front of God trying to control how God fills his promises, not being patient and trusting God that he would fill his promises. Jacob gets himself in a horribly bad mess here, you guys, because I want you to hear this. This is why this story means so much to me, because one lie... You guys already know this. One lie does what? Leads to another lie, which leads to another lie, which leads to another lie. And this is Jacob. Jacob lies, lies five times to his dad. I'm your son, Esau. Jacob says, or Isaac says, come here and let me feel your skin and your hair. And he touches him and he says, okay, this is the hands of Esau, but the voice of Jacob. See, Isaac's not even buying this whole story because Isaac's thinking to himself, something's up, but he plays along. So, and he even said, Isaac asked Jacob, he said, my son, thinking he's Esau, Esau's out in the field hunting, Jacob's sitting there with his dad, and, or with his dad Isaac, and Isaac goes, my son, how did you get the game so fast? Well, Jacob just had to go into the pen and get a goat, right? Esau's out hunting, and dad knows, hey, this normally takes some time. Jacob got himself so deep in the stew, no pun intended from last week, he got himself so deep in the stew, he even used God as a lie and excuse in what he's doing. He says, well, my father, the Lord blessed me. Really? And you're thinking to yourself, I would never do that. Think about your life for a second. How often have you gotten yourself in a situation in your home where you know you've lied and you know you're going to get busted and you just keep digging that hole and you just keep digging that hole? That's Jacob here. He just keeps digging it. He even goes as far as to give his father. He says, come, Isaac says, come here and give me a kiss so that I can bless you. Jacob is full of lies and deceit and he's playing along with mom's scheme. So long story short, I want you guys to read the scripture. Isaac blesses him, lays his hand on Jacob, who he thinks is Esau because Isaac's favorite was Esau, Rebecca's favorite was Jacob, and all this is going on and all the deceit and all the mess and all the battle over this thing called the blessing that Isaac's about ready to give to who he thinks is Esau. Lays his hands on Jacob and puts a huge blessing on him. And this is, you guys, this doesn't seem like a big deal to us. But this is, as I will talk about later on, this is almost, this is something that will cast Jacob or whoever receives this blessing off into life in, in a very um, fulfilling way. The land's gonna bless him, people will bless him, his brothers will serve him. I mean, this is a very big deal that's going on. And remember how old they were last week in the story they were about 15 years old, the boys were. Now they're how old? 40. They're grown men in this story. They're not a bunch of teenage kids. These are grown men that we're talking about that have been living in this mess. So Isaac blesses Jacob, who he thinks is Esau. As soon as Jacob leaves the tent and goes away, guess who shows up? Esau. Esau stands at the door of the tent. And he goes, my father, here I am. And Isaac's like, put yourself in Isaac's spot for just a second. He's blind, he's old, he can't see anything, he can't hear anything. And all of a sudden, he's, this guy standing in the doorway says, well, it is I, Father, your, your firstborn Esau. And all of a sudden, Isaac goes, uh-oh, because I'm sure, we'll talk about that in a second, I'm sure Isaac had to know what God told Rebecca. So Isaac, it says, when he figures out it's Esau, Isaac, it says, he began to tremble just horribly bad. It says he was fiercely trembling, Isaac was. Why would Isaac be trembling like that? 
Because Isaac knows he tried to do something God didn't want him to do, and he got busted at it. Because Isaac knew the story, and Isaac knew who was supposed to get the blessing he had to. So Isaac's trembling terribly bad. When Esau figures out what Jacob's done, what's Esau do? It says he wept and he bellered out loud, crying out loud, because he lost his blessing. And Esau goes on to say, and he's in tears, and he's screaming, and he's yelling, and he's crying and having a fit. And isn't he rightfully so, named rightfully so, my brother Jacob, which means deceiver, right? Scoundrel, deceiver. So he goes, that's my brother Jacob. He did it again. He's, he has taken advantage of me twice, Esau says. Once with a birthright, once with a blessing. And Esau is begging his dad, Father, don't you have something for me? Don't you even have any sort of a blessing for me? And Isaac goes, I have blessed your brother Jacob, and blessed he will be indeed. Because that blessing, once given, could not be removed. There's a very big deal that's going on. So what happens here is you watch Esau, who the last part of the story years ago despised his birthright, right? When it was a spiritual thing, he didn't care. But now that the spiritual thing was going to lead into um, a monetary blessing, a land ownership blessing, a servant blessing, much money blessing, all of a sudden Esau cares about it now. Now he wants his birthright back. Long story short, all that happened. And then what Esau does is he said, okay, when my father's dead and my mourning is over with, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. I'm going to kill him. And you know what? Esau meant it. This is dead on revenge because of what's happening. So God, this is all man-centered conversation, not God-centered conversation. Rebecca hears this. She goes in and she goes over and she tells Jacob what's going on. Jacob's now all of a sudden going, oh crud, I'm in trouble now. My brother Esau's about ready to kill me and I know he will and he's able to do it. So Rebecca again comes up with another plan and she says, hold on, I'm gonna go talk to your father because I don't want you, I'm gonna tell him that I want him to send you away to the land where our family is so that you can marry someone within the tribe that we belong to and not do like your brother Esau did and go to a different tribe, the Hittites, and marry someone. So again, it's a full-on scheme. So Rebecca takes this story. I know this is a long story, but I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. She takes this another scheme added to it. Deceit leads to deceit. That's how you deal with it. She goes in and she tells Isaac, Isaac, I can't take it. I'm gonna die if Jacob marries one of them women from the Hittite tribe. That's what she tells Isaac. So Isaac's got to be like, woman, quit nagging me, right? He says, fine, we'll send Jacob off. And he can go off to our own family and he can marry someone out of our own tribe. So therefore, Jacob comes and all of a sudden he goes away and he goes away forever. That's where I'm going to leave the story off right now. I'm going to pick up a little bit more here in just a few minutes. But I want you to see something. I want you to see four things out of this, okay? Real quick, number one, you see Isaac disobeyed God. He disobeyed God. Isaac was a man of God. He feared the Lord, but in this situation, he disobeyed God. And I can't, like I said, you guys, I can't help but wonder, he had to know. He had to know. Him and Rebecca, somewhere along the way, had to have that conversation when the twins were jostling in her womb that the, the older's gonna serve the younger. So he had to know. He also had to know that Esau sold his birthright and that Esau went off and married women that were not of his tribe. And yet he still wanted to do it his way. Isaac did and he wanted to give the blessing to his favorite son and that's why he went ahead and did that and I don't have time to do this really get into this tonight but Isaac should have remembered the lessons from his father Abraham when they were walking up the mountain and I, Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac we'll tell this story later on when I go through that message but Isaac in that situation watched his dad be absolutely dependently faithful to God in that situation and how Isaac was was the same way he was just obedient to God and trusted God that God would provide whatever they needed go read that scripture that I've got in there walk by faith and trust that God will provide that's what Isaac should have done and he didn't do that Rebecca schemed against Isaac she wanted, she wanted it her way. She knew what God told her, and she did not trust God to fulfill his promises the way he wanted to. Rebecca got out in front of herself, and she put this scheme together, and they, and they deceived um, Isaac. So that's part of the deal there. Then Jacob the deceiver, he was living up to his name, worried about he didn't care about doing something wrong. He just didn't want to get caught. If they would have just talked to Isaac 
and done it God's way, this probably would have went completely different, you guys. Do it God's way, trust God with your life and you'll find out it'll go a lot better. And one lie leads to another. Look at me. Please hear me. With all my heart, if you're a liar in this room, I want you to look at me. It is not worth it. It will destroy your life. How do I know that? I got an ex-wife in Montana and I got two kids that live far from me and always have since they've been six years old because I lied and deceived until I got caught doing lies and deceits and it destroyed my life. Do you understand me? And I'm not unique. If you lie and you deceive, it will destroy your relationship with God and it will destroy your life. I really want you guys to hear this from me because this is one of the most important things that I can teach you guys because I do not want you to live that way. One lie will lead to another. Proverbs 12, says, the Lord detests lying lips and he delights in the people who are trustworthy. I'd like to think today because of Jesus Christ, I'm trustworthy. You guys have no idea how much of an important statement that is in my life that I don't have to look, I don't live like I'm looking over my shoulder trying to keep out of the last lie that I told. I'm a trustworthy man and the only thing that makes me trustworthy is my relationship with the Lord. Same with you. If you get outside of that, it doesn't matter what you do, it will destroy you. And there should not be any deceit in a Christian's life. Blessed is a man whose spirit has no deceit. Esau, he was living with his decisions. He was living with the consequences of his decisions that he'd made. He's 40 years old and he made decisions when he was how old? Around 15 years old. And he's living with the consequences of those decisions when he's 40. Hear me, young people. This is not an accident that this stuff is in the Bible. It's very real, and I want you guys to get this. You walk out of here, men and women of Christ, and you're trustworthy because of your relationship with him, understanding that the decisions you're making right now have consequences to them, or they have blessings. Totally up to you what you do with him. And Esau wept and he bellowed and he cried, but he did not cry because he had a repentant heart. He cried and he bellowed and he wailed because he'd lost his stuff. That's called remorse. So I want you guys to realize that. Read the rest of the notes on there so that you guys get that. That he was a man who despised his birthright, married two pagan women, and wept and cried out loud for the blessing, but it was not repentance in his heart. He was wailing and bawling because he'd lost all his stuff. At the age of basically 40 years old, he's acting this way. Why? Because he developed that man that he was when he was 40. That started to develop when he was 15. Turn to your groups. Talk about these things. We'll come up in a few minutes, and then we'll close. I got a few more thoughts for you guys, and then we'll close after that, okay? Okay, if I can have you guys' attention back to the front of the room, we got to get this wrapped up because we're going to close with the song, then I'll have Jessica and Casey come up here in a few minutes. As I was studying this this last couple of days here at the church, digging through scripture and uh, commentaries and everything else that I do to try to be accurate in what I'm teaching you guys on a Wednesday night rather than Dan thoughts, I want to give you God thoughts, right? One of the things that struck me in this story is this. As this, this means so much to me because I struggle with this story horribly bad in the Bible and have for a long time. Watching someone, Jacob, so you guys know, is the patriarch, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. It's a pretty big deal in the Christian faith and in the Old Testament. The 12 tribes of Israel come out of this guy that we just got done talking about, who was in the middle of deceiving and lying and doing all the things he was doing. And it's often make me scratch my head bald, thinking to myself, God, how can you use this guy? And then, you know, what God said to me, I don't know, how can I? That's what he said to me. He says, I don't know, how, how can I use you, Dan? How can I have you stand in front of a bunch of teenagers every single Wednesday night when you used to do what you did? Make sense? You don't know what God's doing in your life right now. You don't know what God is up to, but here's what I know. The consequences of living the way Jacob was living are horribly bad and you will deal with them for the rest of your life. Here's the consequences that were so costly for Jacob. Did he receive the blessing? Absolutely. We'll get into that in just a second. Here's what he did. He never got to see his mom again, ever. 
Now think about this. If you've got a mom in this room and you think, okay, I'm going to go home and I'm going to be a brat, I'm going to lie and deceive, and it is going to cost me where I know I will never see my mother ever again. Is it worth it? It's one of the costliest things Jacob went through. His brother wanted to kill him. That's another consequence that cost him so dearly. His brother wanted to kill him. I know you guys have fights with your brothers and your sisters, but nobody's out to kill each other. Last time I checked, I hope. But that's what Jacob dealt with. He was later deceived by his own uncle Laban. He was deceived horribly bad for 20 years by someone because of the way he was living. That's the consequences. His family was torn apart. His brother, his brother became an enemy to the nation of Israel. He was exiled from his, from his family for decades. Imagine what your life would look like if you did this. You guys, there are such big consequences that you will deal with for the rest of your life. Can you, be, can you be forgiven of them? Yes, but you're gonna deal with the ramifications of your decisions for a long time to come. You know how I know that? Because I'm a divorced man whose kids are living in Montana and there is very few times that we're not dealing with the consequences of the decisions I made as a younger man my family is still dealing with today. And it's not worth it. I wish I would have had a Dan Canoe stand when I was your age and say, look, you dope, what you're doing is going to cost you everything. But I didn't have that. And for you guys, you have that. Every leader sitting at your table is here to make sure you don't go down that path. So you don't have to have those consequences that Jacob had and like guy like I have. So when I looked at this and I go, God, how can you use this guy? Because see, here's what God was doing. God was still orchestrating his plan in the midst of people that were not following him at the time. But God was still working out plans. God was still making his promises to be fulfilled the way he saw it needed to be done. And then Jacob leaves. He leaves. God gets him right where he wants him. He has to leave home because Esau's going to kill him. So he takes off for his mom's family tribe and he heads off and on the way about 11 or 12 miles outside of town He runs into God and that's when Jacob's life changed. See here's this you never get the sense That Jacob was a believer when he was living at home Was he raised in a home that believed? Yes, but it was never his faith until he got out to a place called Bethel, when he left and ran from Esau, he bumped into God. And from that moment on, Jacob dedicated his life to God. But all these consequences, Jacob still dealt with. So here's what I want to finish with, and I'm going to have uh, Jessica and Casey come up and close with the song. Jacob did not deserve the blessing. He just didn't. He did not deserve the blessing that God gave him. There's no way. He lied, he deceived, he cheated, he schemed, he lived up to his name. He didn't deserve it, but here's what I know. Jacob, what Jacob did was wrong and he did not deserve the blessing, yet Jacob did receive the blessing from Isaac just like normal and that blessing stuck. But then Jacob got off into the wilderness and ran into God, but Jacob did not receive the fulfillment of that blessing in deceit. He, he received the fulfillment of that blessing in surrender. Because when you follow through Jacob's life in the book of Genesis, he eventually gets to where he wrestles with God all night, and that's when God asks him his name, what's your name? And Jacob says, Jacob, which he knew, he knows what his name meant, he knew the way he behaved all these years, and when he wrestled with God that night, God asked him, what's your name? And he says, my name is Jacob. And then the angel of the Lord that he was wrestling with, no longer will your name be Jacob, it will be Israel. And that's where you see the father of the 12 tribes of Israel is Jacob when that happened. So he received a blessing, yes. He received the fulfillment of the blessing out of surrender, not deceit. So you make sure you hear me right on that. And when he ran into God, his heart changed and his life changed. So in all of this, what I see is this. In one sense, we're all like Jacob. In one sense, everybody in this room is like Jacob and you do not deserve the blessing of salvation that God offers us. You don't deserve it. You know how I know that? Because Romans 3.23 tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We do not deserve the blessing of salvation. So you're no different than Jacob in a sense. But here's what I do know. Christ died so that you may be redeemed back into his relationship with him because Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine say, it says it is a free, salvation is a free gift of God. It is by the grace of God that it's a free gift that no man shall boast that I did it. So if you ever hear someone in your life say, well, I feel like I'm a pretty good person, I'll make it to heaven. No, not according to Ephesians chapter two. 
It is a free gift of God that he extends to you. The king extends his scepter to you. And if you receive that free gift, not because you deserve it, but because of God's grace and God's love for you, and you receive that gift, then you've received the blessing of salvation. Does that make sense to you guys? So when you think about Christ and you think about all that he's done for you, I never want you to think that you're doing anything in your life to deserve or earn anything because you can't. I don't receive, I don't earn salvation. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve that blessing. But yet Christ extended his, his grace to me through his, God extends his grace to me through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why I can stand before you tonight as a man, like many of you in this room, who has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ that has no longer got the same name that he used to have. And neither do you if you've called on the Lord. You are a new creation in Christ and not because you deserve it, but because God loves you and by his grace, you are saved if you reach out and you accept that gift. I want Casey and Jessica to lead us in the song to close with. The song will be familiar to a lot of you. So I want you to do this for me while this song plays. I want you to stand to your feet. We're gonna turn the lights down a little bit. I want you to stand to your feet and come in here in the middle if you will. I want you guys to stand here and I want you to reflect on this tonight. I want you to reflect on a couple of things tonight. I want you to reflect on who you once were before you met Jesus. Remember back what you were like? Do you remember the time or the type of man or woman you were before you met the Lord? And how after you accepted that gift and you received that gift of salvation, not deserving anything, not earning anything, but think about who you are today in Christ. And I want you to remember that person you used to be, that Jacob that you used to be. And now you're no longer Jacob, but you're Israel, if you will. You're new, you're different if you've been saved by the blood of Jesus. If you're in here and you haven't received that gift tonight, I want you to ask yourself this, why not? Why will I not let myself do this? Why will I not allow God to change my heart in a way that I'll never be the same again? And you may be standing in this room tonight and you're like Jacob, even though you're a believer and you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, but you've been lying and you've been deceiving and you've been cheating and you've been doing anything but bringing glory to God in your relationship and the way you've been behaving. Tonight's the night, as it said in your notes, if you sin, he is faithful and just. Jesus Christ is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So that's the state we're in. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. I'm so grateful that I'm a new creation in you. I've been brought from death to life. Or maybe I have that desire to be brought from death to life. Or maybe tonight you just need to repent. Ask God to forgive you and get back into a right relationship with him. Think about those things as we worship. So, so good to me. 
tells us this Romans 3.23 says we've all fallen short of the glory of God we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God but it also tells us this in the book of Romans Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates his own love for, for you in this that he, while we were still sinners Christ died for us so I want you to realize this while you were still sinners God demonstrated his love by sending for you, by sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you, to give you an opportunity to be redeemed back into a relationship with him. And I pray in the name of Jesus that that lands on you tonight in a new way, in a refreshing way, in a stronger way, in a deeper way, that you walk out of this room because of that, that as we sing this song, because of that we live differently. Not because we deserve it, not because we're trying to earn anything, but to bring the one who gave everything for us, who the Bible says paid a high price, his life, his shed blood, that we might walk with him by his grace to his glory. That's what I want you guys to realize. That's what God's done for you, and that's how he wants you to walk. He loves you, and he's shown it through the cross, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you know you're a new creation, that you have that assurance because of that reckless love, not deserving a thing, but Christ reached out and touched you and brought you from death to life. And now you're new. Now you're a new creation. Let's walk out of this place tonight, Lord, with a deeper relationship with him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good. I, you guys look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Would you guys do me a favor? I don't know why. God won't leave me alone about this. Would you guys do me a favor? If, you're, if it's on your heart, you don't have to. But I think tonight, as a, as a form of surrender, I think there's moments like Jacob, when he met with God at Bethel, he built an altar. And tonight, for whatever reason, God is laying this on my heart tonight. I watched Catherine go to the front. I watched another student in the back kneel down. If you guys want to, and you do not have to, you do not be prompted by me at all, you listen to God. But tonight, I feel like a form of just remembering and surrender. I want to kneel while we pray, if that's okay with you guys. So if it's on your heart and you want to do that, I'm going to kneel and I'm going to pray. If you guys would do that with me, just to remember that, Lord, this is my life, and I'm laying down my life for the one who gave everything for me. So let's kneel down and let's pray. Father in heaven, 
just like we sang earlier, sometimes our words, we don't even know what to say. The gratitude and the gratefulness that I know each person in this room tonight has for you and what you've done for us is overwhelming. And that, that love that you chase us down with and you hang on to us with, um, the love that you choose to give each one of us. I pray tonight, Lord, as we kneel down that this is just not um, just an act, but this is the posture of our hearts, that we kneel before our King, before our Lord and before our Savior, Jesus Christ, tonight praying and thanking you for what you've done and asking you and just in the deepest parts of our hearts, Lord, help this to be real. Help this to make me different and help me to cooperate with you, Lord, as I walk through this life. And again, not to earn anything, but just to bring you glory and help us to always remember, Lord, we live the way we live because of your grace. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit that dwells in our hearts. Help us to draw from that power to live in a way that we can be a light into the very dark hallways of our high schools and the places that we work. As we move about our community, Lord, just help us to always consider you in everything that we're doing and let the cost that you paid, the high price that you paid to redeem us, may that change us forever. And you've laid down your life for us. And now it's our turn to lay our down, down our life for you. May we commit by your grace and to your glory to doing that tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love you guys. You're dismissed, everyone.